Welcome, guys. That's a packed basement. I like it. Um, any any praise reports? Any testimonies from the past few weeks? Any anything exciting happening? Any anything? Anybody gonna pray with anybody that they don't usually pray with, or have a cool encounter, or God moment, or anything? I have a prayer request. Okay. So one of my best friends uh, had a conversation with him yesterday about uh, whether God forgives suicide because one of his close uh, buddies in the police force in Kansas City committed suicide yesterday morning. Mm. So um, for his mental health and the family of the guy who uh, killed himself. Mm. Yeah. Anybody else? Anything? I got to be a prayer team leader at our latest conference to church this weekend. Nice. Pray with women and hear things that they're sharing. It was really good conference. It was a cool experience. I was really good. Awesome. Cool. Glad to hear. Anybody else? One once? Twice? kind of prayer request and also a praise report too. Um, like the family that helped um, my family to get settled here in the U.S., they just lost another person in their family. And um, even though um, the son passed, he, he had autism and stuff like that, like God was still able to, you know, reach his heart and he asked his family like years ago to get baptized and to accept Christ in his life so you know we have no doubt that he's with God now and he's with his mom joining his mom up there you know having having some heaven parties <laughs> um, but yeah just praying for the for the family that you know God comforts their hearts and stuff but always to rejoice that you know he also accepted Christ and he's there in a much better place than a lot of people. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. All right, so last time we met, uh, we went through the beginning part of John 3, and we went through verse 21. And, um, we spent some time um, before, but also leading up toward you know John 3, 16, and um, we watched a video about um, kind of a a similar concept of a father sacrificing his son to save a, a train full of people that doesn't even know. Um, not a perfect um, correlation, but a um, relatable um, story to put there. Um, anyway, I I want to skip the second part of John 3. I want to go into John 4 here. Um, so this is a story probably most or all of you have heard probably a few times before. I know a lot of sermons speak about um, the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Um, but um, there's a lot of stuff in that story. We'll see if we get through even that whole story or maybe we'll kind of 
glance through it a bit, but, um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, does somebody want to start reading in John 4 at, uh, verse 1 and go through, uh, you know, actually, let's, um, yeah, he wants to start reading. You can stop whenever, or I'll stop you. All right, go for it. Um, so Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Through Jesus himself, I mean, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, a near near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and, Je- and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. Alright, pause. Thanks. What observations do you guys see? What, what do you guys see going on so far? I know most probably already know the whole story, but what do you, what do you see in this part so far? Yeah, Jews and Samaritans don't like each other, and they try not to associate with each other. What else? Jesus is not Mhm. Yep. Jesus doesn't care about the the dynamic. He's talking to her anyway, and he's a man talking to a woman, which is also like a, a no-no, and let alone a Jew man speaking to a Samaritan woman. What else? Um, can you read verse 4 again? Just verse 4. He had to go through Samaria on the way. What version is that? This is NLT. NLT. Anybody have anything besides NLT? NIV. NIV? Go for it. Just verse 4. Now he had to go through Samaria. Anybody else? Different version? Every version I found said he had to go through Samaria on the way. Which, in fact, he did not have to. Samaria was the most direct path, but most of the time, especially Jews, would take the longer route and go around Samaria to get to Galilee. Or to get to... uh, I think... Yeah, Galilee, okay. They would go around Samaria to get to Galilee instead of going through it. But it said that he had to go through Samaria on the way. Why did he have to? To see her. 
Yeah. There is nothing else. There is no other. Um, practical necessity. There's no other practical reason why he would have to go through Samaria. I think so often. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, there was no other reason he went there except to to meet her and to because there were people there who needed to hear him. And spoiler alert that we'll see at the end of this. The whole town comes to know Jesus because he had to go there. Because he didn't he didn't just do what all the all the you know righteous and like um, you know pompous, I think that's the right way of saying it, pompous Jews, right? Is that the right way? Thank you. Um, all the pompous Jews would go around Samaria because they're holier than thou and would avoid, you know, these Samaritans, these dirty Samaritans. Um, but he had to go through. He had, he had to make a divine appointment with her, whether she knew it or not. And I think so often we, we don't even realize when, like, when God goes out of his way to meet with us where we're at. He didn't say, he, he didn't wait for the Samaritans to come to him. He said, I'm going to you. That's all I wanted to point out about that part. Alright, so, what time of day is he going there? What time of day is it right now? Middle, Middle of the day. Hottest point of the day. Um... And nobody else is there at the well besides this lady and now Jesus. Why is that? Disciples went to camp. Disciples went to camp. They went to go get food. And why is no one else drawing water right now? Because it's really hot and they don't want to make the journey out there to get water. Mm-hmm. All the other women who go to get the water, they went earlier in the morning before the, the heat of the day. Um, but... This lady's not there with everybody else, which we'll see why if if you don't know the story yet. Alright, so what what was the first thing Jesus said to her? Yeah. Please give me a drink. And then where did I cut you off at? At verse ten. You read ten already? Yeah. Okay. Um, somebody else. Who, anybody else want to pick up from 11? Um, Go for it. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Alright, pause. Thanks. Alright, now what's going on? What observations? 
He reads her mail. He he no not it's like an expression, uh-huh. really. Yeah. Probably why she goes to draw water in the middle of the day. Yeah. There we go. I've read a lot of different commentaries on this exact story. And based on the writing, she is being extraordinarily sarcastic, apparently. Like she's just like she's like, Oh, where do you get this living water with your little with with no bucket and all this stuff and like kinda going back and forth. And then so Jesus kinda responds and really grabs her attention. very quickly by saying go call your husband and come here and then she's like I have no husband like kind of like tauntingly back and he's like yeah you're right you don't have a husband you've had five and the man you're with right now he ain't your husband and then she's like oh okay but that's a spoiler alert because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get there but the apparently she's being quite sarcastic yeah well, let's go ahead and, and I'll, I'll read those two verses to get to that part. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist on insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? So yeah, he's very clearly a prophet. Um, and a little later, he also... Say something else. I am the Messiah. And he'll just straight up say it to her, like, as plain as day. Um, as plain as noon. Um, so what else What else is weird or different or interesting about this whole interaction between these two? Or the conversation being said. And the fact that she very quickly went from, like, why are you talking to me? Like, you shouldn't be talking to me to, like, you know, that kind of attitude of, like, where are you going to get this water from, huh? Like, you don't even have a bucket. And there's, like, maybe the implication, I don't know, but, like, maybe the implication is that, like, he just expects him to use her because he wants water and she's the only one with a bucket or whatever. Like, there could be all these reasons, and I don't, I don't know about all that, but... The, him just cutting right, right through all of it because he sees through it. Obviously, um, it's a it's a good time. about her past and herself than 
anybody. Um, and it's like startling to the, and I don't really know where I'm going with this, but like, I think either, and it changes depending on how, I don't know, depending on how you want to read it. And I don't really like saying that, that's not really what, but the attitude towards Jesus in the sense if you take it with that perspective in mind of her being like kind of called out in a way uh, well either way she's being called out but her response is much more teachable she has a more teachable spirit in that case, in that view of being like where can I find this desiring of something that is set apart that Jesus is making a statement at this point like this water that I give that you can't find anywhere else is different it's it, and because it is different you having it within you will be different that he's making a statement of um, you know this being set apart idea and for her to then be like, where can I find it? It's even more like, if that is us as believers in that position, like, and we were in, you know, this story, and she's just like, I can give you this. Of course, like, where can I find it? Like, I would want it. You know, it's 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 just a different light of it. So I never thought about this before until just now. The interaction begins with Jesus asking for a drink. Hey, can you please give me some water? And it kind of changes. It kind of goes from, you know, he's saying like, hey, can you give me water? And then they have this whole interaction. And then he's talking about, I can give you this living water. I never realized that before. I just kind of saw it of just the just the the shift and and the change of like you know yeah go ahead yeah and I don't know the cultural implications of this but I've I've thought about it a lot uh, like he doesn't start with a question mm-hmm. he says give me a drink like it's a it's a statement yeah. not a, not a question and I don't know the like, that is way way deep into ancient Jewish like uh, what's the word culture manners effectively or etiquette of like whether or not you can just say like give me a drink or whether or not this is you know kosher or yeah sure why not for the pun um and then uh but but yeah so i don't know the implications of that um but it doesn't start off with a question it starts off with a statement Mm -hmm. and then it it gets into all these How does, how does the conversation change going from, uh, you know, like one through fifteen, the conversation is one way, but after after verse fifth after uh, fifteen is over, beginning of verse sixteen, what happens to this conversation? 
Yeah. Like, he kind of stops, like, before he's, he's kind of being really vague. Um, but then after that point where, where she sees, like, um, you know, that he, he's obviously somebody important. She thinks he's a prophet. Um, and then he, he just really cuts to it, especially, you know, um, 21 through 24. He, he, he just puts it out a lot more clearly than he really than he does in, in a lot of his other sermons, um, which I think is really interesting that he picks this woman to just lay it out and be like, yeah, that, that Messiah that you've learned about. Like, that's yeah, yeah, it gets real, real quick. It gets serious. It goes from kind of like almost like this like back and forth kind of like banter, kind of like, you know, whether it was a humble type of conversation or, or sarcastic, it was it was just kind of, you know, like surface, well not surface level, but it's like, hey, give me some water. How am I going to get you water? Why aren't you getting water? Do you think, like, where's your bucket? And then it's like, hey, look, I can give you this, this water where you won't ever be thirsty. And it's like, huh, well, okay, sure, I'll take some of that because I don't want to be thirsty again. He's like, go get your husband. And just, he, he just, like, drops the line. He's like, woman, go get your husband. Not quite, but it it gets real. And it gets personal. And he he kinda like jolted her and, and gets her attention to her failed life. Or is it he gets her attention to show who he is? Because if there was one part he said like he didn't say if you knew who I was, but he was like, if you knew, what did he say? If you knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking that question. If you knew the gift God yeah. has for you, and yeah. who you were speaking to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, maybe he's like trying to get her attention. Yeah. Because she's not really like getting it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not getting it yet. Um... How does Jesus feel about the Samaritan woman? What's his attitude toward her? I think it's really difficult to tell. I think it's really difficult to tell whether it's like a sarcastic banter back and forth. I mean, obviously he loves her because it's Jesus, right? But um, like the method of of the attitude of the conversation, I think, is pretty difficult to to tell to me. Of like, and it's just because. It's probably mostly because of the cultural time. Because you don't really know like how it how people felt necessarily with each other back then and the language limitations. For me is this word that gets me, the woman, and he calls her woman. Because I remember a couple weeks back when I was here, you guys were mentioning how he called his mother woman mm-hmm. and that was like respect or back then Yeah. Good correlation. Yeah, actually, we were reading in, um, yeah, that was that was uh, his first miracle, the the wedding at Cana, when 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 uh, Mary was like, "Hey, Jesus, like they're out of wine." He's like, "Woman, that's not my problem." And it wasn't like a woman; it was like a it was a respectful, it's like a ma'am, like ma'am, like. Um, but yeah, um, I saw this. I saw this note, this commentary that. Um, he saw her as the, the same as anyone else, a sinner in need of a savior. 
She was not a worse sinner because she was a woman or a Samaritan or sexually immoral. Just the same as anyone else. A sinner in need of a savior. Zach, I, I don't think your comment of like, well, he loves her because he's Jesus. I don't think that's like a like something like to brush off or be like, well, you know, oh, yeah, probably was... probably this, but like, is Jesus? But it's like, no, that's where Jesus's character comes from. Of like these type of things, like he associated himself with these immoral people, with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with like, you know, Samaritans, um, because he that's who God is. That's that's who. God is of I don't care of your past I don't care who you are racially culturally sinfully whatever you've done you're a sinner in need of a savior that's something every single person ever born or whoever will be born will have in common we're all a sinner in need of a savior yeah. and one of the one of the cool implications is this is a conversation between the two of them and Jesus never wrote anything down and it doesn't say that he, he told his disciples. It's easily possible to be told the story. Um, but based on the end of the story, spoiler alert again, because I keep getting ahead of probably where you're going. But like, he, they probably get this information in the story when they're writing it um, from her, uh, from her retelling of it. So, um, pretty cool. Yeah. And also, he's not phased by her sin. He's not, like, surprised. Like, he knows. <laughs> he's not like, oh, you've had five husbands? And you're not living with your husband right now? He's like, he's not phased by it. He's not like, oh, you, you're, you're a bad woman. I can't be around you. Like, he's not, he's not worried about what other people think. He's not worried that later when his disciples come back, they might be like, Jesus, what are you doing? Do you know who she is? Or that, like, you know, people in the village might mm -hmm. see him talking to her and, you know, think that he's, like, involved with her. Right. Yeah. That that could have very easily been a thought, too. Like, Jesus and this woman who's been with five other husbands before, they're at the well alone together. Like, what's going on? Who is this? He's, he doesn't care. He's, like, not phased by it. He knows our desires. Uh, Romans 3.23, he, he knows our desires and yet he still pursues us and loves us. Hebrews 7.25, he's not surprised by our, by our evil desires, but rather he seeks to reconcile us to the Father in spite of them. That was Hebrews 7.25. And I think, and, you know, it goes the same for us. Like, when you apply this story to, to us, you know, Jesus knows everything that the Samaritan woman did. He, he called it out to her. Um, and he saw into her heart. But that's the same for us. He, he knows us. He knows us personally. He knows everything we've ever done, good and bad. Um, 
and yet he he still loves us and he he still chooses to to have that relationship and to reach out and to you know when you think about it of like his his um his journey like he he had to go to each one of you you know he didn't wait for for us to come like he had he had to go there to meet up with us all right so we want to take it from verse 21 she was asking about like hey like why do you guys say that you have to worship here? We say you have to worship here. Who wants to take it from 21? I got it. Go for it. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Jesus then, just then, His disciples came back. They marveled that He was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek, or why are, you, why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of, town, out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for what you did not labor. Others have labored and you will have entered into their labor. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Observations, comments. I just love that, like, after this, however you want to interpret the conversation prior, but like, as soon as he like lays out who she is and stuff, this is a conversation she wants to have about like the difference between the Jews and Samaritans mm-hmm. and like how worship like that's not a female topic mm-hmm. at all. And that's not even like a Samaritan man and a Jew wouldn't discuss that. Like that's basically <clears throat> taboo on every ground. And mm-hmm. she straight up is like trusts that he has an answer to this and so she asks. Like that like just blows my mind and the fact that he like answers her fully like authentically and again like he hasn't had a conversation like this where he basically declares himself to Messiah and she's like the first like this is like a revolutionary conversation in every dynamic yeah for sure almost like a revolutionary conversation (laughs) (laughs)
Yeah, okay, well, what about this whole response about, you know, in verse 21 through 24, this whole, you know, his answer to her question about where to worship. What do you guys think about this? And what does this mean? Because some of this, I don't know about you guys, it's confusing. And I would think especially for her, you know, not knowing what we know, not, you know, having, you know, the end already for her and to know exactly who he is, even though he just straight up tells her, I'm the Messiah. But to, for us to see, okay, you know, this is Jesus telling her this. We know who Jesus is. He died. He rose again. He is the Messiah. For her, this is, I'm sure, very confusing. I'm sure even just the part about the living water was confusing. And, and he, he goes on and say, you know, you'll worship in spirit and in truth. What, what does this part mean? really good yeah because she's already speaking about like hey we're different you know you guys worship this way we worship this way who's right who's wrong why do you do it this way why do we do it that way and he's like look that doesn't matter anymore the time is coming actually it's here now I think the, the statement for salvation is from the Jews verse 22 entirely you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews it kind of to your point it shows the divide but also it it emphasizes the the fact that it, to this point the only way to have a relationship with God is to be Jewish the only way is to 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 have any relationship with God otherwise you are effectively like cut off um, and Jesus is really prophesying that that's going to change because even though it changes obviously with his actions on the cross it doesn't even Gentiles don't really start hearing and becoming saved until 
a bit after that, um, after the disciples start preaching, and then Peter has his whole vision and everything like that. So effectively, he's he's kind of talking about that. Um, but I like what you said about in spirit and truth. Like effectively, um, I think it's Peter that says it in Acts. In the, in the story where they're all kind of sitting down and having a, a conversation of like the, the spirit of Christ cannot be divided mm-hmm. um, and so uh, a house cannot be divided against itself and this whole thing and it's this whole long meeting where they're having a lot of lot of conversation back and forth and he's like here's here's what we think here's what we believe here's the way we do things um, and I think I think that's where the spirit and truth comes from because as much as there's differences of opinion and things like that, and that's more or less ex- acceptable, um, the spirit and truth of, of coming down and, and whether or not you actually believe everything that Jesus said to be true, and whether or not you believe all these things and, or, and do these actions because you believe these things, it's a, it's a whole process. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think about um, was it Solomon or somebody wanted to build the temple for God or maybe rebuild I don't remember and and God was like I might be misremembering or or it it was like you're not going to build the temple for me because you can't contain me, essentially. I don't remember where that was. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, some maybe that was maybe that was before. Might have been a no thing, no. There was there was someone that wanted to build a temple. I remember what you're talking about. Someone wanted to to build a temple or rebuild the temple. It's only mentioned in a couple of verses, but he said. He's like, I think it was like for the wrong reason. Yeah. Yeah. He's and um, I think it's. I I don't remember. It might have been like I want to say Moses before no, before it was before the tabernacle was built. Yeah. It was I want to say Moses. And but I, I could easily be wrong. About M- that. Me bringing that up was is is to correlate this because her. Her comment about where to worship is was just completely irrelevant to Jesus. He's like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you worship. It, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, and with with the coming Messiah, man no longer needed to seek a certain designated place to worship God. He's saying God is not to be worshipped in a place, but in a person, Jesus. And that's really what it boils down to in that part of it's not about where you worship, it's about worshiping it's not about where you worship, it's about who you worship. And it's about the fact that you're doing it in spirit and in truth. You're doing it what does that mean, in spirit and in truth? It's about doing it through the Holy Spirit, which is about to come. And doing it in in truth, because there is only one truth. And doing it in who he is, and who he says he is, and he straight up says, I am the Messiah. I kind of wonder if that's, if he's like, hinting at, kind of what's to come in terms of like, 
the Spirit being like baptism by the Spirit and the truth being like the Word of God, which Jesus is. Mm. Um, and that he's talking about, like, those are those are kind of the things that true believers have um, when they worship God, which obviously comes after, like, Pentecost. Mm. Alright, so then... He, he straight up says, I'm the Messiah. And and then the disciples come back. And in verse 27, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what are you doing with her? Or why are you talking to her? And then the woman who went to the well to get water, left her jar of water beside the well, and ran back to the village. And she... And she just starts saying to the people in the village, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And she's already questioning it. Or maybe she's asking them as a, as a, as a challenge. Because um, he just told her straight up, I am the Messiah. And she's like, Come and see this guy. He might be the Messiah. It's kind of in stark contrast to... You know, this idea that she was getting her getting her water in the middle of the day to completely avoid interacting yeah. with people and then she just turns around and like runs into the village. I think that's I think that's a big shock there also of hey, this woman usually like hides and stays away and isn't that the woman who goes to the well at noon? Why is she out here like trying to get attention? She's usually trying to hide because of her shame, like and she's just out here coming you know, it doesn't say that she's yelling, but I'm assuming because she's trying to get their attention. Everybody, come, come, let's go. Let's go see this guy. He, he might be the Messiah. And you're like, wait, this, this, this lady who's had five husbands is telling us to everybody go with her because she thinks she saw the Messiah? And, like, I think it just validates, it validates everything Jesus has to say because she goes from, perceivably, avoiding people um, to, to, addressing the elephant in the room in her testimony and being like, hey, you remember all those things that I did? He knew about him and he wasn't from here. Mm -hmm. So, like, he knew everything I'd ever done. Um, and there's a pretty good chance that the conversation went a little bit longer and these are just, the, you know, the cliff notes and, and, we, and we don't have all the context or whatever. Um, but we have what's necessary. And it's, it's just really... It's really interesting. Yeah. Some of these moments are just so shocking to me of like I think about like Jonah when he went to Nineveh and he's just like y'all and not even like a message of repentance just like you guys are going to die in a few days and then they're all like let's repent you know it's just like where did that come from and then here is this this random lady this like the you know the the city whore essentially and they're she's like come everybody let's go see the Messiah and they're like let's go and it's like it just seems like such a shock to me. It's like, wow. Um, because it says in verse 30, so the people came streaming from the village to see him. And I was just like, could you imagine seeing this this lady? She's not a prostitute, but like this lady who's like been around town and now she's just like leading back to Jesus. Like, come on, guys, Messiah's over here. And they're like, let's go, follow her. And usually it's like, don't associate with her. And now they're like, let's go, follow her. I think it just kind of shows, like, it's like, well, she's saying it, 
Yeah. And it's like, well, wow, it must be true. Like, she, it's almost like, well, I mean, like, we don't really know, but it's like, she, her, like, her countenance probably changes. Yeah. If she was sarcastic, and then now she's like, well, I think just like the way the Chosen, you know, like the way that they portray it, she comes and she's like, hey, come, like, let's see this man, tell me everything I ever did. It's like, she changes. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly how it is, but yeah. that's what it seems like to me. And yeah, so that too, we're just like, wow, this is different. Yeah. Um, also, correction time. Uh, God does not say that at any point in time. It's, it's, it's in Second Chronicles 2, verse 6. But who is able to build him a house? This is Solomon talking. And it's also in First Kings. But, but who is able to build him a house since heaven, even highest heaven, cannot contain him. Who am I to build a house for him except as a place to make offerings before him? Um, that's as God tells him to build the temple. Oh, okay. It's, story. it's Solomon saying, I am not worthy to build him a mm -hmm. temple, but he told me to, so I'm going to do it. Oh, okay. But it was so, David who said, you know, he felt bad that the tabernacle was just being carried around from tent to tent. And that's why he wanted to build the temple. Yes, that is another yeah. thing, but then God says you can't do I it. I kind of like put those two. Yeah, they get sandwiched. He's yeah, like, you won't, but your son will. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's a whole thing. Hmm. Cool. Okay, so then I think it's funny that, like, now right after, okay, so now this lady ran back to the town. So then the disciples are like, all right, let's, let's give Jesus some food. And he's like, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. And they're like, did someone, did someone feed Jesus already? <laughs> like, weren't we all just in town together getting food? Did someone go and give him food? Well, the best part is that he sends them off to get food. And then as soon as they, come, then, back, as soon as they come back with food, he's like, I got food you don't know about. What? It's what great. are you talking it's about? Great. Have you like, spent all this money? Like, like, <laughs> it's almost like, it's like, um, when later on when they're uh, like on the hills and there's like 10,000 people and, and there's like, all right. What kind of food do we have to feed everybody? They're like, um, like two fish and like a few pieces of bread. And he's like, great, that'll do. And they're like, wait, what? And here it is like, okay, can you guys go get food? It's like, all right, we'll be back. And then they come back. He's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I got food you already you know, know nothing was about. This, was the getting the food like a metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> like, so many questions. He does that like, sometimes. I really feel like a lot of times we're like, man, these dumb disciples, like how do you not understand this? But like, there is zero chance that we get no. these things first try. No, not at all. <laughs> zero chance. Uh, but it's just, I, th I think it's funny because of just like the interaction of like, hey, I've got, I've got, it's like, can you give me some water? Actually, you know, I just realized that. He asked the lady, give me some water. And then he told the disciples, go get some food from the town. And then it's like, well, there's yeah. this, like, oh, sure, I'll take some of this water. It's like, no, 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 no. It's not liquid water. It's like living water. And then they're like, Wait, you already have food? It's like, no, no, no. It's not real food. It's like, what did it say? Oh, it's the nourishment. <laughs> it's the nourishment from God. My, my food is to do the will of my father. So do you want this bread or not? <laughs> I am the bread of life. No, like, mm, so should I eat this or should I save you some? <laughs> but a little leaven. But a little yeast leavens the whole loaf. Jesus, do you want this or not? And they're like, ah, oh, Jesus. They're like, yes. <laughs> I do imagine being an apostle was extremely hard. <laughs> 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 
Like, you totally have to respect when, when the disciples are like, hey, can you explain what you said earlier? Because none of us got that. And you know that they all talked to each other beforehand and collaborated. Hey, did anybody get that? Because, like, I don't want to ask Jesus. Do you want to ask Jesus? All right, Peter, it's your turn to ask you. know, I asked Jesus last time. Like, you know, it was this whole thing. I don't even think, I mean, he doesn't even get a drink. He asked for a drink from the beginning, he doesn't get a drink. And that's true. And, and, and in the beginning, it said that in verse 6, Jesus was tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. And so he... he say, like, he's famished, though. And it's at noon, and he's, he's, it says he's tired. Yeah. Jesus is tired from the long walk. I mean, and it was hot, too. And it was the middle of the day. And he's wanted some water. And now this lady just, you know, abandoned the conversation and go ran off. She even left her own water there. And then now the disciples come back and he's like, guys, I already, I already got some food. And like, what? So, so now this, this conversation of what his nourishment, nourishment comes from. My nourishment comes from the will of God who sent me and from furnishing his work. So... The concept of fasting is is when you're you know you're fasting at least when you're fasting food is you're you're choosing to not eat physical food and to be filled up from God and his presence and his spirit and to to spend that time that you would be normally eating or preparing food to spend just seeking God and for him to fill you up and that's what Jesus did when he was in the desert for forty days. Um, he, he fasted and, and he relied on God, solely relied on God. He's still 100% man, 100% God, but he's still 100% man and he needs food to survive. But he relied on God during those 40 days in the desert. Um, and he's saying, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God. And... We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to do what he does, and we're called to... And that's what Christians are, little little Christs. That's what that means. I don't know about you guys, but... I can't recall the last time... I'm like... That pizza looks good, but... I'm going to get my nourishment from doing God's will tonight. It's Taco Tuesday. Mm, I'm going to... God's will Tuesday. Sprinkle on a little bit of extra of God's will right there. Or maybe God's will awesome. Wednesday. It's it's God's will Wednesday. Taco Tuesday. But what is it, what would that look like? Like practically, what would that look like? Prayer. No. Next time you want. How often, like, let's be real, how often do we eat when we're not even hungry? (laughs) Too often. Far too often. Pretty often. Why are you shooting at me today, man? (laughs) (laughs) How often do we. Sit in front of the TV and eat right after we just ate. And then once we're done, we eat again. Never, right? Never. Uh, Never. None of us have ever done that. 
But no, like for real. When when was the last time we said, you know, because like we we can easily you know all eat right now. We can all eat dinner, and then right after you know four minutes after dinner, and that's being generous. I'm gonna be like, who's ready for dessert? I'm not hungry still, but I want to keep eating. When was the last time we've done that spiritually, filling up on the word, or filling up from doing God's will, and said, let's go back for seconds. Let's go have dessert. It's like, but we just left feeding the homeless. Well, I'm ready for seconds. I want dessert after that. Let's go feed the poor too. Let's go clothe the naked. Let's go help the homeless. And it's like, but we just did all those things. Great, let's do some more. And it's like, hey, didn't you already just eat some cheesecake? Yeah, I'm having another plate. Wasn't your dinner plate bigger than, or wasn't your dessert plate bigger than your dinner plate? Yeah, it was. Thanks for noticing. No, but for real, what what if what if I don't think he knows what second What if we practically and realistically filled up and got our nourishment from doing the will of the Father and went back for more and craved to have dessert afterwards still? I think it's great. Generosity Global um, last month was was a really cool time, and a plug for the next one uh, would be March twelfth, Saturday, March twelfth. That's not this coming Saturday, but the next Saturday, March twelfth. Um, you know that's that's filling up from from doing the will of the Father. That's getting your nourish, nourishment from doing the Father's will. And imagine it not being set to, okay, dinner time is over. And not being set to, alright, it's 12.30 or it's 12 o'clock or whatever. Helping people for today is done. We're done. That's it. Until next month. And it's like, no, we're done. And it's like, oh, look, there's someone who looks like they're hungry still. Oh, but all the food is gone. Wait, I can still pray with them. Oh, I might have a granola bar in my car. You know, whatever it might be. Or, hey, I can give them a few bucks. You know, it's not... They didn't come during the designated time to get food so we can help them for it to be an easy, convenient time for us to help them with no effort or cost of our own. But I can still help them. That's going back for dessert. That's going back for more. Or you're running late for work and now there's this homeless person looking at you at the stoplight. Uh, but I'm already running late. That's like this. Get a little... All right, who doesn't like to eat dessert before dinner, right? It's like, I can help this person before I go do something. Yeah, like, that's that little icing on the cake, I think. You don't have to take these allergies so literally, guys. <laughs> All right, let's just, um, let's just finish off this last little part. We're not going to finish off chapter four, but who wants to read... Uh, 39 through 42. Super short section here. Who wants to take that? Sure. Go for it. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Awesome. 
entire village. The, the, what I love about this part is that, I mean, once again, it's kind of like a parallel to Nineveh in that, like, the Samaritan village is like the last place you would expect yeah. for these people to believe in the Messiah, and yet it's one of the only places where Jesus comes and people just, like, did something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. That and is because, it's at first because the woman's testimony believed in him because of the woman's testimony, and then they end up doing the 180 and saying, it's no longer about what you said. And what you said was good, but like what he said was better. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I like in my little commentary thing here that um, it does a, a contract of like the dissemental woman with um, Nicodemus that we read in chapter 3. Um, it's saying here, at a historic well in Samaria, Jesus offered himself as living water. Jesus engaged and confronted people with the revelation of God, and they either followed or fell away. The Samaritan woman contracted with Nicodemus at every turn. A woman, not a man. A Samaritan, not a Jew. A sinner, not righteous. And an outcast, not one of um, Israel's rabbis. While Nicodemus fell silent and never responded to Jesus' challenges, this woman acknowledged Jesus as Lord remained in the light and exhibited and the, yeah, signs of discipleship. Um, so yeah, that's what I was hmm. when I went back to chapter 3 to kind of like review a little bit of his, of Nicodemus and like little story in there. And it's interesting that like he just asks questions and Jesus talks to him but then after that it didn't seem like he really did anything with hmm. the answers that Jesus gave to him where the Samaritan she's just like She's being called out by him. She's, you know, basically like it's a humbling situation that she's going through after all her past, and then later she gets like a whole village to that to yeah. believe in Jesus. That's awesome. That's a good correlation. And that's that's so God. That's so God to use Jesus born in a manger, not in like this, you know, coming down on the clouds, like, here I am, I am the Messiah. He doesn't choose to do that. That's what I would do if I was Jesus. I'd be like, look at me, and like throwing lightning, like, but he comes down in a manger, born like next to the donkeys, and he doesn't go to the rabbis to be like, I'm the Messiah, tell everyone. He comes to like the least attractive person to tell this to like who what does he have to gain from telling this reject at the well at noon absolutely nothing what did what could he get if he told like a rabbi or like a high priest he, he could be put up on a pedestal which he would rightfully deserve but he, he doesn't get the attention that way when well, he does but the wrong attention from them yeah. but to use this woman as opposed to anybody else and i think that's that's so god and the same way for us of like, like, he chooses me? He chooses us? Like, who are we? And that's, that's kind of his story the whole time, right? Like, he chose Gideon, not his older brothers. Yeah. Like, he chose David, the, he the chose smallest David, little sibling. older eight brothers. He chose Moses, the guy with a stutter. He chose Joseph, the youngest of the brothers. Like, like he often chooses the least of these. Mm-hmm. Um, and why? Every time, why? Because it shows his strength. Yeah. Not theirs. Yep. 
And it's for his glory, not their own. So that's the Gideon thing, right? Where he's like, no, we got too many people. Yeah. <laughs> like, you like, can win this war with all those people. Yeah. That proves nothing but your own strength. Exactly. And it with like a one hundredth of the amount of people, and that'll show who I am. Yeah. And so it just, it perfectly fits the the context of God's character as we know him for Jesus to come and do these things exactly that way. Um, it perfectly fits that he would come and talk to everybody who he wouldn't, he wouldn't expect him to. That's really good stuff, guys. Any other final comments before we close out? And also, uh, real quick, you also spoke about sowing and harvesting, and, you know, like, it, it takes a team. Like, it's not just one person who sows in harvest. And, you know, this woman sowed into the village, and Jesus reaped the, uh, the harvest. Um, but if she didn't go running down to the village, like, there wouldn't have been this entire village who, who came to know him. And it just shows that, like, one person, even the least of these, can have this huge eternal effect. Awesome. 
And it, it, it's so much, like, we think, oh, if I, if I pray for this person, if I do this, like, I gotta do this whole process. It's like, no, like, you might be the one to just drop the seed. You might be the one to put a little bit of water on that seed that just started to sprout. You might be the one to harvest. Um, but all along, God is God is there through it all. Um, and, and also, like, all these people came to believe. It doesn't say anything about him performing a single miracle or sign, wonders, anything. They solely believed first because of the, the word of the Samaritan woman at the well, and then because of the, the words of Jesus. Only based off of his words, they believed who he was. So our testimony is a valuable witnessing tool. I want to make a challenge to you guys of as far as the food thing. Um, whenever we eat, let's, let's try for the next day or two or maybe the whole week. Uh, if we go the whole week. Whenever we eat, even if it's just a snack um, or whatever or, or whatever, take a few seconds to pray beforehand. And not just not just the... The normal, it's completely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But not just the cliche, thank you God for this food. Bless the hands that prepared it. Bless this food that be nourishing to my body. You know, past that. That's, that's good and fine also. Pray for anything else. Pray for anything else, either instead of that or in addition to that. You know, before you eat a granola bar, God, I pray for, I pray for Jackie as she's, as she's you know, you know, looking for this or looking for a new job or whatever, or like, you know, you're about to eat dinner. Oh God, I want to pray for for Yana for her um, her family friend that just lost someone. Just pray for comfort over them. Munch, 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 munch. <laughs> you're about to eat breakfast and like you're on the run and you know, okay, as you're running because you got to keep going. It's like, oh, I pray for Paul. I just pray that he has a great week. That you that hit that that God your love really is is heavy on him this week that he can tangibly feel your loves this week. Chomp 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 chomp. <laughs> no, like for real. Let's let's do that. That's gonna really increase our prayer time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're about to sit on the couch after you just ate like three person persons worth of food. Now you're like popcorn time. Popcorn, and you're like. <laughs> gotta pray for McKay that he has a great day at work today and, like, and you know whatever it might be just something small anything it can be it can be life changing it can be small you know and then you can chomp 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 away who, who thinks that's a doable challenge I know it's gonna be hard I know we're not all gonna do it for every meal and for every snack I'm gonna fail too um, but let's let's really try to make it a something to really try for just like what can we pray for what, what are these little things that we can like, just add on for I'll add on to that maybe throw in your prayer like what is the will of the father because that's the food yeah in the so there I like that ask what the will of the father is and see what answers you get yeah I like it and then do those things that he says <laughs> that is like a, 
Yeah. Feel like I need to. Yeah. You're about to eat lunch at work, taking a quick lunch break, or maybe it's a working lunch break, and it's like, God, what can I do to, to be nourished from doing Your will? Show me someone or something that I can do to to be Your hands and feet, and then, munch, 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 munch. Cool. Gabby, thank you for this day and um, just the joy that is to get together and and hang out and dig into your word. Um, Thank you that it can be a good time and that it can be fun, it can be engaging. Um, And we thank you for food because food is good. Um, And and we just ask to be filled up um, from doing your will this week Um, in in a very real active, tangible way, God. Fill us up. Fill up our stomachs, not from food, but from doing your will. And then also fill us up spiritually of just overflowing joy from from obeying you, from doing what you've called us to do. Munch, 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 munch. <laughs> Thank you, God, for who you are and for who you've made us to be. Um, and for how hungry and how much some of us eat, we're going to get real close to you this week and we're really going to live out your word. I'm super excited for that. I'm here for that. Um, yeah, I just thank you for each and every person here in this room and I just pray for blessings over each one of them, um, that every single person here is able to, to just spend a little more time with you this week than, than they did last week. And for the week after that, just a little bit more than that. Thank you, God. Amen.